This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 97 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Our guest today is Chris Betts, Senior Vice President and Chief Security Officer at CenturyLink. His career journey has led him through a variety of well-known organizations, including the U.S. Air Force, NSA, CBS, Microsoft, Apple, and now CenturyLink. He shares some of the lessons he's learned along the way, his leadership style, the challenges he sees the industry facing in the near future, as well as his thoughts on threat intelligence and privacy. Stay with us. I started off in the Air Force, um, straight out of school. I was Air Force Academy grad, so uh, it was, it was, I didn't have too many choices in terms of where I went. Um, but I was in a fortunate position that while I was still in college, I was able to do some independent study uh, in cybersecurity at the Air Force Information Warfare Center. And I don't know if it was related to that or not. The, uh, the, the Air Force systems are, are somewhat opaque, uh, mm. but I ended up landing in a role early on, actually my first job out, where I was able to get involved in some aspects of cybersecurity, namely certification and accreditation. Uh, and from there, managed to bump into a bunch of the right folks and uh, found my way up to NSA, where I was able to do both in and out of uniform, a bunch of different technical roles in cybersecurity. Uh, and then uh, once I left NSA, uh, went on to CBS uh, and then Microsoft and Apple, where I had various roles, everything from technical engineering to uh, to policy cybersecurity. Uh, so it's it's been a it's been a a, a great blend and uh, and uh, you know in, in tech I really found my passion for not just cybersecurity and engineering, which is what brought me to CenturyLink. Uh, that combination of being able to be innovative and forward leaning and building new and different services uh, combined with the cybersecurity and, and frankly the security overall background and opportunities that this provides me with. Yeah. Well, before we dig into uh, what you're up to there at CenturyLink, uh, if you'll indulge me as, a, as an old timer who goes, uh, who goes uh, way back, I have to ask you to sort of contrast your experiences at Microsoft and Apple. I really, really love the passion at Apple. Yeah. Um, just incredible passion for cybersecurity, for user-facing features. It's, it's where it uh, really helped me. It matches my passion for privacy and security. It also really helps me bring out how to make things easy for people because I truly believe that cybersecurity, that security in general, should be easy to use. Uh, and that's tricky to accomplish, but man, it's terribly important. Microsoft just has an incredible ability to deliver, um, deliver at scale and deliver over and over again for enterprises. And so learning from how they engineer and build big cloud services and systems for enterprises um, was an incredible experience as well. And so I really think that while they have very different cultures and very different approaches, it's, it's a great combination of experiences uh, and, uh, and, and, and really some, some dynamic, dynamic places. How neat for you to be able to have gone through both of them to get, uh, you know, take with you the benefits from two very different cultures? I've been really blessed by opportunity to be at a number of different companies with very different cultures. It's both a challenge to learn what's important in the different cultures, uh, as well as a great opportunity, as you said, to be able to bring out different things from each each place uh, and and continue to build a better me and and a better security organization. 
So let's dig into uh, your day-to-day at CenturyLink. Before we dig into that, can you sort of give us an overview? What, are, what does CenturyLink do? What's the breadth of the, the products and services that you provide? CenturyLink's an incredibly fun organization. Um, it's second largest telecommunications company when it comes to enterprises. Um, it has, you know, really changed over the past 25 years. I think we've got somewhere around 450,000 miles of fiber over 60 countries. And so it's really a global network, a global presence um, with massive peering with other uh, network companies. And, and that gives us uh, kind of a unique set of visibility into the network, which is incredibly important from a cybersecurity standpoint. And it also is um, an incredible business where it's not just network, but it's IT and other services that we provide for a wide variety of customers and, and, and as well as our consumers. It really does stretch you know, back to my, my prior experience, kind of everything from the enterprise muscle to the consumer muscle and really allows, gives a great platform for us to continue to build cybersecurity both into what we deliver as well as on top of with specialized services. And as the chief security officer there, how do you break your tasks down into their component pieces? How, how, do, you, how do you keep from being overwhelmed by the, the scale of what you're up against? First magic is making sure I've got good people on the team. Uh, without good people, uh, you, there's no way I can scale to do the job. Um, and, and really, it's about having leaders who are not just capable of doing the work, but finding the people who are passionate and able to transform the organization. Um, because in communications industry, we're in a f- great place, uh, but it's also a very challenging place. We're moving from uh, you know very traditional telecommunications models that come out of Ma Bell and into a field that is so technology oriented that you know within the next five to ten years, it's going to be very, very difficult to tell the difference between us and the big tech companies. And so making that transformation is is incredibly important, and you have to have leaders who can scale to do that. And so it, it's it's a combination of teaching, coaching, self education, and, uh, and and finding and, and growing the right folks, um, and that's that's at all levels, not just my directs, um, and, and it's not just managers; it's also ICs. Uh, I think that's one of the characteristics that I've brought out of my experience, really at, at across Microsoft, Apple, uh, and even NSA, um, is how much those organizations value individual contributors who are also leaders. Uh, you don't just have to be a manager to move forward in, in cybersecurity or in tech or in engineering. Um, as you know, some of the most influential people don't have any management responsibilities at all. Uh, and that, that, that's key for us here, and that's key for building a good team. How would you describe your leadership style with your team? I think the better question is how would they describe it? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, and also, I, I, I try to focus hard on making sure that I'm equipping people to do the job and, and allowing them to execute and then holding them responsible. Um, that's the only way to really scale. One of the more interesting concepts I came across, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, um, was on the difference between coaching and teaching. Hmm. Um, they talked a lot about coaching being a skill that you use when somebody has the tools and knows the answer, but they need help getting there. And so it involves asking questions, challenging them, Give, helping them find the right insights to solve the problems. And, and that's terribly important in terms of being able to get people to take on that work themselves and really be able to scale and execute on their own. Um, I try to fall back to teaching only when I don't believe they've got those tools because it's 
be honest, it's, it's not fair and it's painful to try to coach somebody about something that they don't know. Uh, and so it's finding that right balance. And I'll be honest, I'm constantly working at it. I'm, I'm a driven personality. And so uh, it, it's natural to fall into teaching habits, but it's, it's terribly, terribly important to use coaching and, and other tools that help really build capacity within the organization. And what's your relationship with uh, folks like the board of directors? Funny you ask that. I, uh, let's see, two hours ago, finished talking to the board of directors oh. uh, on, on cybersecurity. So, um, yeah, I, I meet with them at least once a quarter. We, we have really thoughtful and important conversations about risk and the directions we're headed as an organization. Um, they're a great sounding board. Um, but they're, they're also a, a, a good way to make sure that I'm focused on the right things and helps me keep strategic focus on the organization because let's be honest, cybersecurity is a ton of fun and it's really exciting and it's great to get into the, the day-to-day defense and the technology, being able to take that step back and making sure that you're part of the business success, not only with your business partners, but at the all-up company is, is an important reminder. I guess, is it fair to say that you, that you provide almost a, a translation layer between the, the technical folks and the folks who are managing risk at a board level? I think that's true to some extent. Um, you know, in, in some ways, cybersecurity, while nuanced, is, is not more complex than other aspects of business, finance, et cetera. Each, each area has its own complexity and its own nuance. Um, I think, you know, Many of the core concepts in cybersecurity are, are relatively straightforward. You know, my job is to enable the right risk decisions at the right level in the company. You know, we focus on protecting sensitive data, keeping services running for customers, maintaining accuracy of our data, certifications for trust, uh, protecting people in our assets. Uh, those concepts are are straightforward. This kind of goes back to my my thinking on good security is easy to use. I think good security can be easy to explain. Um, as you say, the, or as you point out, the, the implementation uh, is terribly, terribly tricky. That's where we, I need to be very thoughtful. But I think of myself less as a translation layer and more of a way that we're making sure we're keeping focus on the high-level objectives while I'm also thinking about the technology and the way we use it to protect our folks and our data. I guess there's a, there's a risk of becoming sort of siloed, that the security folks you need to be communicating with the different leaders throughout the company. You're spot on. And, and uh, fortunately at CenturyLink, there's, there's little opportunity for me to be siloed. Hmm. Um, frankly, on a daily basis, if not on a weekly basis, I'm meeting with many of the leaders who are responsible for our products, for engineering, uh, for our IT. As we look at what products we're building, where we're going, what direction we're driving, I work with my peers. It's everything from the network that we provide to our customers and to ourselves, as well as the software that we're building to provide advanced services. The, the way CenturyLink runs the business has been great and really embracing. Uh, I'm there at the table in all those conversations. I'm adding uh, at both as an engineering leader and as a security leader. Uh, and that means that it's hard to get separated. But you, you point out a, a, the, one, of the, one of the major traps of security is to be siloed. Um, I'm just very fortunate to be in a company that's so forward-leaning that that's not really as much of a challenge as, as it is in other companies. I'm curious, uh, you know, one of the things that we touch on here regularly uh, is threat intelligence. And I'm curious for your take on that. Where do you feel like threat intelligence fits into uh, the day-to-day and your ability to do the things you do? 
I know you've spoken with Mike Benjamin in the past, so, so you know a lot about our threat intelligence and, yeah. and, and frankly, uh, our passion for it um, and, and my passion for it. Um, in, in fact, uh, just today we announced uh, Black Lotus Labs uh, is launching, um, uh, which is uh, an even larger focus on our threat intelligence programs within CenturyLink. Mm. Uh, and so uh, it's definitely an area where I've been investing heavily. I, I mentioned earlier in our conversation about the scope and span of CenturyLink's networks. And that gives an incredibly rich place for us to be able to observe and counter malicious activity of all sorts. We get well over 100, 100 billion NetFlow records each day. I think it's up into 115 or so uh, billion uh, NetFlow records each day. Based on that and a set of, of honeypots and honey networks and some other neat technology, we're able to monitor you know, many thousand uh, C2 command and control servers on an ongoing basis. And that turns not only into threat intelligence that enables our products to be more secure, but a, a big part of how I think about cybersecurity is that, and one of the big advantages of being a large communications company is that I think we should do our best to provide a cleaner internet experience, a cleaner network experience. Um, and you know, to that end, we take on nearly 40 command and control networks every month and knock them off our networks, knock them globally off the internet, um, and really block that traffic. It, it helps reduce denial of, uh, distributed denial of service attacks. It also takes a bunch of malware command and control off the internet. Um, and so that, that capability to act based on the threat intelligence is really exciting. And so, uh, as you point out, threat intelligence is a crucial part of what we do. Um, it's something that we're investing heavily in from a machine learning standpoint, from an automation standpoint, from a big data standpoint. Um, but it's not just to learn and it's not just to share with other people. It's also to be that execution arm that takes action to provide cleaner internet experience. And what is your uh, philosophy when it comes to uh, sharing information with other organizations? You know, obviously you've got competitors out there. You're, you are a business and it strikes me that also as a security company, there's a benefit for everybody to be able to share some of that information around. We share and consume avidly um, with other partners. Um, one of the things that I've been fortunate enough by coming here is able to, to light up different parts of and and new relationships with different parts of the tech industry than we've had in the past, um, in addition to our traditional partners. Um, because as you say, it is so important to share information back and forth, have those ongoing conversations um, and, and be able to act in a concerted fashion. Uh, yes, there, there is competition in the market and yes, we provide cybersecurity services, but threat intelligence is not something where I think about from, from, in terms of where should I compete in, in uh, threat intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think about threat intelligence more in terms of how do we collaborate to take down the bad guys. And if there's any competition, it should be in how fast I can react to that and how quickly I can eliminate it and how secure I can keep my customers. Uh, not about can we pin down the right bad guys because that, that problem's too hard and, and the bad guys are, uh, are too plentiful. We need to take them down as quick as possible. What are the, uh, the things that you see rising up over the next year or so? What, what are the, the threats that you have your eye on? I'm always watching, um, especially with to, 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 to hit some, some topics that we're all familiar with, but with, with IoT and the plethora of devices continuing to come out, I do continue to worry about expansion of distributed denial of service attacks. 
Um, I'm worried about both volume, increased volumetric attacks because those trends haven't slowed down, um, as well as some of the more sophisticated resource exhaustion attacks uh, that that happen deeper, you know, at higher protocol layers up, up in layer seven. Um, so, so th those are always top of mind to me because they're so disruptive uh, and carry so many secondary effects, even on the organizations that aren't targeted. Uh, and frankly, they're they're too cheap. Pe people can uh, go in the black market, pay a minimal amount of money, and have massive impact, and, and that that's very concerning. Um, I think that some of the geopolitics are going to continue to drive um, a much more combative uh, cyber environment from a sophisticated actor perspective. Um, I think that it's going to be continuing to be very important to discuss what are thoughtful norms that people can be held accountable for uh, and that countries can be held accountable for because I don't see that environment getting any easier. And as there's a number of different questions about what are norms internationally, whether it be um, Brexit and other events in Europe or the relationships that the U.S. and other countries have or even changes in the, in the global space between uh, China, Russia and, and, and the Middle East, um, it's going to be uh, continue to be a, a challenging environment. And large companies like ourselves and, and small companies around the world, as we participate in global trade, are going to be affected and need to pay a lot of attention to it. Um, I don't know that there's anything particularly unique about that insight. Um, but I think it's important that we stay focused on some of these core fundamental threats because they're not going away. And while we see a lot of discussion and speculation about some new and novel things, and we have to keep an eye on those, uh, we can't lose sight of the ongoing and enduring kinds of attacks that we see and how to defend against those. Where do you think an organization like CenturyLink uh, your responsibilities lie when it comes to privacy. Privacy is near and dear to my heart. It, it, it is something that I think is incredibly important. I've been very interested in watching the tapestry of regulations around the globe uh, occur. I think CenturyLink's been very clear about our perspective in terms of how important customer data is, how important privacy is. Um, and we we spend a lot of time making sure that uh, we offer services that enable our customers to be both private and secure. Um, I think that's, I've been really enjoying watching the trend. I think it's going to be challenging to balance the thoughtfulness in terms of how we make uh, systems private and secure um, while still remaining usable. Uh, and th those are some big challenges we're going to have to deal with over the next few years in regulation. But I'm happy to be part of a company that takes privacy as seriously as we do and is, uh, and is, is focused on it uh, on the going forward basis. With the, the unique view that you have, with the, the global view of the Internet and communications that you enjoy in the position that you have with a company as large as CenturyLink, what sort of words of wisdom do you have for the rest of us? Start with the fundamentals. Hmm. They, they don't go away, but there's a reason why phishing, unpatched systems, et cetera, remain a, a key issue. Um, second is focus on core versus context. I think there's other language for that that's become more popular recently. But I, I work hard on making sure that the things that I'm focused on are unique to us and where we can use solutions that are well put together, um, I'm going to, to, to look at outsourcing them. Uh, because 
there are companies out there that are going to be spending a ton of time and energy getting really, really good at this specific area. And I don't need to rebuild that internally. I should just leverage that. The ability to execute threat intelligence on email is not something that I've got an in-house capability for today. It's something where I partner with others who are able to take the threat intelligence, both ours and other people's, and really execute that to make sure our emails are as protected as possible. Um, and so I, I've chosen not to make that core. If at some point I choose to make that core, potentially I'm going to go put a bunch of engineering cycles in, then I'm going to triple down on it. Um, and so it, it is that balance of figuring out where you want to be strong internally and where you're going to be really go in full force with full capability and where you want to rely on somebody else who is going to be doing that all day long and can really bring that kind of focus and capability. Uh, and so it's that, that blend of a, of a managed service versus, a, versus an in-house. Our thanks to Chris Betts from CenturyLink for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Zane Picorni, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.